Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Join me, if you would, in Matthew's Gospel tonight, chapter number one. Matthew chapter number one, please. Last week, if you remember, we spent some time together looking at the Christmas story. And uh, we tried to summarize, at least I tried to summarize that story for us, uh, getting through all the, all the surroundings and tried to summarize the story using four doctrinal words. You, you, you remember any of that? Are you note takers? Do you take notes? Yeah. So we gave you some doctrinal words that kind of summarize for us the Christmas story, right? First word was? Incarnation. Incarnation. <laughs> That's wonderful. Glad you remember that. So incarnation. So when you look at the Christmas story, right, uh, it, it speaks to us about the incarnation of Christ. And we said this about that. It's simply God, you know, becoming a man, right? The Bible says in John 1 and verse number 14, the word uh, became flesh and dwelt among us, right? And so Jesus became us. Jesus became one of us. Right? And then that led to a second word. So incarnation led to atonement. Atonement. And so Luke tells us this Jesus came on purpose. Right? He, he didn't come to heal the sick, He didn't come to raise the dead, He didn't come to establish great educational institutions, He didn't come to uh, invent, create health care. It would have been good if He did. Wouldn't be in the mess we're in. Uh, he came on purpose, and the purpose was to seek and to save the lost. Isn't that what Luke tells us? So the Christmas story, the incarnation where, where Jesus becomes a man, 100% God, 100% man, at the same time. For what reason? So that he might go to Calvary, right? And on, on the cross at Calvary, he sheds his blood so that we might be, and I gave you a third word, Last week, doctrinal word was redemption, right? So they might redeem us. Isn't that what it says in Galatians chapter number four, verse four and five? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, right? Made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, right? And so now get, get, here's the Christmas story. It's not about trees and lights and presents, although we enjoy that. It's not about this little baby in a manger where, you know, there was no room and in the end, and that's not what it's about. That's where we get hung up. What it's about is the incarnation. What it's about is the atonement. What it's about is redemption. And then I gave you a fourth doctrinal word, which was? Adoption. 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 So Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, you know, fullness of time, at the exact time, at the most appropriate time, God sent forth his son, just like he said he would, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might have, anybody know what it says? The adoption of sons. So now get this, we are adopted into God's family. Isn't that wonderful? 
We're adopted into God's family as adult sons, and we become heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's the Christmas story. That's what the Christmas story is, is all about. I like what John says in John 1 and verse number 12. You know this verse. He said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He didn't say children of God. There's a difference. He said sons of God. You know why that is? Because as a son, we get to enjoy the inheritance. We're heirs. You know, children you have to take care of. A son, he's looking at us as adult children, adult sons, men and women. You know, we get to enjoy the inheritance that he's established for us. That's wonderful. But as you read the story, it continues on and gives some more detail. Pick it up with me, if you would, in verse number 18, and we'll pick through it a little bit. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ happened just like this, right? It was on this wise. It happened just like this. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, you understand that, right? I don't want to go back and have to re-examine re, re that. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and, shall, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, look at verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from, from, from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Verse 25, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. So as you read on, you know, more details begin to surface. And verse 20, 23 and verse 25, if you looked at those two verses, uh, we begin to see the naming of the Son of God. And I'm not sure, you know, how, how, how big this is for you, but, you know, naming a child is... Man, that's like, it's fun, it's significant, right? I mean, most parents spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about what we're going to name our children, you know? When we had our firstborn, was it our firstborn nun, where we, we were led to believe that it was a boy? So, we had four children. We didn't know what any of them were going to be. We didn't want to know. We just didn't want to know. But for some reason, the doctor, wasn't he, wasn't he kind of leading us? Was that the firstborn? Huh? It was Christina. So Christina's our one, two, three. She's our third. And so we had all kinds of boys' names picked out. We thought I had, you know, I had a, I had a girl, then we had a boy, and then the doctor, for some reason, led us to believe it was, going to be a, it was going to be a boy, you know? So we're picking out all these names, and then to come find out when she was, well, when it was born, it was a girl. And back then, there was no such thing as non-binary, and so she didn't get to choose what just making sure you're awake tonight, you know. And so, you know, so we had to sit back and think about names. And so naming a child is significant, right? I bear the name of my father's father, you know. And a lot of times you'll, you know, a child, for example, we have George the first, George the second, George the third, right? Is there a fourth? Is there a George the fourth? 
There is George the Fourth, right? When I became pastor, they tried to make me George the Fifth. <laughs> I wouldn't let them do it. I wouldn't let them do it. And so, uh, you know, it just. But now think about this. In this scenario, this child came with a name. Mary and Joseph didn't get to choose. He came with a name. And according to verse number 23, you'll notice uh, it was told them that you'll name the child Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. And that's the fulfillment of a prophecy that came centuries before by Isaiah the prophet, which said in Isaiah 7, verse 14, what we read here. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth, right? And so, Emmanuel. But then when you read in verse 25, it says they shall, name, they shall call his name Jesus, right? So, the angel said, you're going to name him Emmanuel, but in verse 25, they called his name Jesus. Look at verse number, uh, go back if you would at verse number 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. So, let me ask you this question, which is it? So, the angel said, first, you're going to call his name Jesus, and then he shall be named Emmanuel. So, which is it? It's both and the same, isn't it? Why is that? Well, here's why that is. Are you with me, guys? Emmanuel, Emmanuel expresses God's presence, and Jesus expresses God's work. Are, are you with me? So, so the idea is this. God is with us seeking to save the lost among us. So Jesus is, he's all of that and more right? He is God with us. Isn't that wonderful? And, and when you begin to read the New Testament, we're confronted with some great truth about our great God. And according to this text here, we read just a moment ago in verse number 23, that God is with us. But then, in another place of Scripture, we read that God is for us. So, God's not only with us, our God, our great God, Almighty God is not only with us, but our great God, Almighty God, is for us. And not only is God with us and for us, but we're told in the Bible, in the New Testament, that he's in us. So God is for us. Don't jump ahead of me, guys. So God is for us, God is with us, and God is in us. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Think about that for a second. We're talking about the Christmas story, right? The incarnation, uh, the atonement, redemption, adoption. You know, and, and, and then it becomes more personal, right? Because that whole message, you know, teaches us that our God, Almighty God, the God of the universe, the God of creation, is with us, for us, and in us. So let's do this. We have a few minutes remaining uh, in, our, in our hour. Let's take, let's take a, a, a closer look. Let's take that apart. You want to take that apart and kind of examine it together? You know, and see if it can't be a blessing to us tonight. Are, 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 you, are you ready for that? Amen. How many say, Pastor, I want to be blessed tonight? Amen. Go ahead and tell the Lord. Say, I want to be blessed tonight. To be blessed tonight. I, my, my eyes and ears are open. And I want to be blessed tonight. And Pastor, it's up to you. Oh, no, it's not. Let's, let's take it apart. Let's look at that. Let's look at that phrase, God is with us. God is with us. Okay, guys, now, now, we're, now we're on key. There you go. God is with us. Now, let's not overcomplicate that. Let's not overthink it. Let's not overtalk it. Right? God with us. Our God is with us. Without getting complicated, what does that mean? 
Here's what that means. Are you listening real good? Now, this is deep. God is here. And God is there. You say, where? He's there. Wherever you need him to be is where he is. Right? He was there yesterday, and he'll be there tomorrow if there is one. And he's certainly here right now. Isn't that right? Uh, In fact, sometimes we'll say, where are you? And the response to that is, right here. I was here before you got here. A couple weeks ago, maybe it's a couple months ago now, uh, probably a couple months ago now, I preached a message on a Sunday night and highlighted the fact that God is there before we show up. Take that in for a second. Huh? And so, you know, we're going to go through, we're going to go through a difficult time. And by the way, let's not kid ourselves. For many, this is a tough time of year. You know, the holidays aren't happy for everybody. You know, sometimes we have to work through it and get there. Are, are, are you with me? We have to get there. And I hope that we would be sensitive to those who have, have difficulties around this time of the year. You know, the cycles of life and you have, you know, situations in the past where the holidays weren't that happy, you know, and if we're not careful, that will resurface and kind of dictate our emotions today. And so, but here's, here's the truth of that, because God is with us, when we're going through that, you know, God is already there. He's there to do everything that we need him to do for us. God is with us. He is present. I like the way the psalmist declares it, Psalm 46.1. You know what that says, many chance? God is a very present help in trouble. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I like that Bible verse, don't you? Uh, and, there, you know, and, and there's many like that. In fact, there are many, pay attention right here, there are many fear nots in the Bible, aren't there? Do you, ever, do you ever go through a concordance and just pick up a word or maybe a phrase like fear not and then look at how many times they're mentioned? Amen. Can I tell you where the power of fear not lies? Huh? It's easy for me to say, hey, don't be afraid. And somebody would say, easy for you to say. Mm-hmm. Right? Hey, don't feel like that. Well, don't you tell me how to feel. <laughs> right? That's how we get sometimes. Don't tell me how to feel. Well, how do we, where, where's the power in fear not? The power in fear not lies in I'm with thee. Oh, you missed that. Fear not, for I am with thee. If it's just fear not, well, I don't have a choice. I mean, I'm afraid of this test. I'm afraid of this surgery. I'm afraid of this situation. But the Lord says, fear not, for I am with thee. Right? God is with us, and friend, that changes everything. Don't you agree? And he's always with us. In fact, that word with implies together. Right? Are you, are you with me? What do I mean by that? We're in this together. Are you with? Are you paying? Are, 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 you, are, are you with me here? And so when you read that word God with us, it means we're together. We're never alone. That would be a great comfort to us. You know, so the angel says to the parents, uh, he comes with a name and his name is Emmanuel, God with us. It's more than a name. It's a biblical truth. It's more than a name. It's a great reality. It's more than a name. It's a very present help. He's always there. He's always with us. In fact, he's there before we got there. I like that part of it. You know, so wherever I'm heading, he's already there. 
Praise the Lord for that, together with us. But I want you to note this as well. Note Romans chapter 8 with me in verse 31. Now, you know this Bible verse. And there it talks about God being for us. Go ahead and flip it. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Did you ever use that Bible verse? Uh, did, you ever, did you ever anchor your soul in that during a, a, t- a time, you know, a tough time, a difficult time? Hey, if God be for us, if God be for me, who can be against me? Right? And if you think about that, think about that. God in the Bible tells us he's for us. I counsel with people all the time, and I know people who think, and maybe there's some truth to it, that there's nobody for them. You know, my family's not for me. I go to work, and the people that I work with aren't for me. I have some friends, and they've proven not to be for me. Do you know people like that? I do. I talk to people like that all the time. I just feel like I'm really alone here. But the great comfort is this. God is for us. God is for us. And I certainly, I enjoy that. He, and I don't want to make it like he's our cheerleader. You know, God's in my corner saying, you can do it, you can do it. That's not what that means. He certainly is rooting for us. But more than that, he's our ally. Turn to your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter number 2. Would you join me there? 1 John chapter number 2, and I want you to, I want you to put this in, in some reality here. Look what John says in John, uh, 1 John 2. Look at verse number 1. 1 John 2 and verse number 1. My pages are kind of sticking together here. He says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. You see that? So now, you know what we take from that, Right? What we take from that is this. It is God's desire for you and I to live a pure life, right? And also we can take from that this. We don't have to sin. Say amen right there. We don't have to sin. We sin by choice. You remember Flip Wilson? (laughs) Say it again. The devil made me do it. it. There's no truth in that. There's absolutely no truth in that at all. The devil doesn't make us do anything, nor does God make us do anything. God's created us with a free will. Isn't that right, my dear brother? Right? We talked about that in our Bible study. God creates us with a free will, and so we get the ability to choose. And the Bible here says this, these things write unto you that you sin not. And so God has given us, he's given us his word, and his word will help us to think it through and see the difference between good and and evil and right and wrong, and then we make the choice. Right? Right? But, but, but let's read on. He says, and if any man sin, whew, go like this, look at me for a second. Whew. Why? Because I was having a hard time with that first part of that verse. These things, my little children, these things right unto you that you sin not. Uh-oh. Somebody said, uh-oh. Huh? I've been saved for a while, and guess what? I've sinned after I've gotten saved. I've been saved, I got saved in 1979, so that makes me how old? 42 in the Lord? Yeah, maybe. Where's my teacher's at? 42? 43, November, right? So I've sinned since I've gotten saved, and it wasn't 43 years ago. It may have been 43 minutes ago. Amen. Huh? 
I ran into Steve Beppel in the hallway. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? And so, according to, according to that statement right there, man, I, I, got, I got troubles. But it goes on and says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm so glad that's there. And it goes on and says, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you know what that speaks about? Let me ask you this question, class. What is Jesus's present ministry? What is Jesus doing right now for us? Did his work on the, cro- on the cro- cross of Calvary end it? Is, he, is it finished? Well, it concluded our salvation. Excuse me, our salvation. But what is his present day ministry? He's interceding. He's advocating. He's praying for us. Right? You know what some would have us to believe? I hope I don't blow up your holiday here. But some would have us to believe that Jesus Christ is in heaven building you and I a mansion. Can I tell you there's no truth in that at all? But you say, but pastor, that's what it says in in, in John 14. Really? I go to prepare a place. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. All right, so let's just say if there were mansions, he didn't say I go prepare you a mansion. He said I go prepare a place for you. A place and a mansion is two different things. But that word mansion in that Bible verse just means a place to abide. A place to abide. And I can back that up. I have support of that. Because the Bible teaches this. When you get saved, now that we're saved, we have to continue to work out our own salvation. Right? And so what, what we do today matters for the hereafter. And so in essence, what we do today kind of encourages or dictates our future, what it's going to be like in glory. You know, Jesus went and prepared a place. My name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to heaven. What my place looks like, that's up to me. That's up to me. Because he's not up there right now working as a carpenter, you know, building me a mansion. He is there, and I'd rather him be doing this. He is there seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me. He's praying for me. He stands up periodically. In fact, I give him a workout. He stands up and he shows the sin-scarred hands and says, Amen. I got him. I got him. Because God doesn't see me. God sees me through Jesus. God is of a pure eyes and cannot look upon sin. So when God looks at you, when God looks at me, when God looks at us, he looks at us through Jesus. Aren't you glad? Isn't that awesome? And so when, when the Bible says God is for us, it doesn't mean he's got a little cheering section. Come on, Donald, you can do it. Yeah, I know you can do it. No, no, it's more than that. He's standing up before God the Father. as the inter- His ministry today is, is as a high priest. Amen. He's our high priest where he makes intercession for us. Isn't that wonderful? What a great truth that is. God is for us. Let me give you, can I give you one more thought before we close? I know you have limited time on Wednesday nights and I try to cram it all in. Do I give you too much? Nope. You sure? Should I back it up and give you a little bit less and spend more time on it? You okay? Because every time I look at you sometimes, it looks like your hair is blowing in the wind. You're like, wow, he's overloading me. Let's look at that last statement. 
so God, God is, say it with me, God is with us, God is for us, God is in us. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? So now, now we find out even a greater truth, a greater encouragement, that our God has taken up residence in us. Wow, that's, that's rich. Uh, look over in John's gospel with me, chapter 14. John chapter 14, if you would. And uh, let's read just a couple, a couple of verses here. John 14. Now, you know it begins in chapter number 1 with that great text I just commented. But I want you to go to verse 15 with me. John 14 and verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Boy, that, that's a message in and of itself, right, Bob? I mean, there's a lot you can preach right there, you know. In other words, what he's saying is love is more than words. It's action, Amen. right? And here's what he said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you, see that word another, another comforter, that's, that's a good word, another comforter that he may abide with you forever. All right, so if he's giving us another comforter, what was the first comforter? Who was the first comforter? He was. Jesus. So he's speaking to his disciples. Pick it up, verse number, number one. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, but until I go prepare a place for you. So what's he saying to his team? He's saying to his team this, I, I need to leave you. Now, believe it or not, they were not prepared for that kind of talk. Huh? I mean, they left, they left their livelihood. Some of them departed from family members. Right? They left their way of life, and now they're following Jesus, and they're witnessing, I mean, they're just witnessing some unbelievable things, and, and I think every day in each step, they're getting closer to him and deeper in their faith, when all of a sudden he comes along and says, guess what, guys, I got to go. You got to go? You've only been here for, for three years. I mean, we're just getting to know you. We're just beginning to experience you. We're beginning to enjoy you. And now you're leaving? Are you with me? You're leaving? And that's when he says to them, but I'm going to send you another comforter. Right? And look what he says. Uh, that he may abide with you for, for Ever. forever. I, I know I have to depart because if I don't, then you're not going to be able to receive all the benefits of this relationship because there's a whole lot more for you to get. Yeah. Look at the next verse. He says, and now he tells us who it is. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot see, cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Now get this. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be? In you. <laughs> God in us. Isn't that rich? Isn't that wonderful? And here's the, here's the truth of that. When, when you see that word, another comforter, it means one of the same or the same kind. Or in other words, you can look at it this way. The second person of the Godhead, Jesus, needed to leave, but as he, as he left, he sent the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And if you've ever done a doctrinal study, you know this about our God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal. Isn't that right? And so, and so, in essence, what he's saying is this, I have to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. 
I'm going to send another, another person of the Godhead who will take up residence inside you. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 19 says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own? He's in you. God is in us. Isn't that an amazing thought? Isn't that amazing? I love that thought. God is not only with us, but he's in us. So, so let's talk about that just for a moment as we close. What are the benefits of him being in us. Now, of course, we know this since he's in us. We know he's with us and he's for us. And now that he's in us, then we're never really alone. Even when we feel alone, we're not alone. Correct? Right? Uh, because he's in us, you know, everything, everything we need, we have. Years ago, Brother Adele, preacher, you remember years ago preaching about the second blessing. You know, that was a teaching of years ago. Some of you old saints may remember that. You don't hear much of that anymore. It's not biblical anyway. <laughs> they would say, you need to pray. You need to pray to get more of the Holy Spirit. You need to get more of the Holy Spirit. You need to get more. There's no, there, there's no such thing as getting more of the Holy Spirit. Because when you got saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit there is to get. Huh? It's kind of like, you know, Dave Shea, you invite me to come over for lunch, right? So I knock at the door. You open the door. You let me in. We sit down at the table, and, and you're looking around. And I say, what are you looking for? And you say, the rest of you. And I say to you, this is all you're going to get, right? I mean, there is no more of me. I'm, I'm here, right? Period. When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit, and there is no more of the Holy Spirit to get. Can I tell you what the problem is? Problem is, he needs to get more of you. You're not enjoying the fullness. You're not enjoying the benefits. You're not enjoying the blessings simply because you're not surrendered to him the way you ought to be surrendered to him. Say amen right there. Amen. Huh? So, <laughs> you guys are amazing. <laughs> I like that. Uh, just be careful and start throwing other things up there like time's up. <laughs> they put time's up. I know you had something to do with that, Steve. Uh, so, what are the benefits? Uh, let, let me just throw this out. You know, some of the implications of this truth. Because he's in us, we can have a peace that passes understanding. Amen. Did you get that? Because he's in us, we can enjoy a peace that passes understanding. I've been with people who have gotten some of the worst news of their life. And you would imagine they're just going to crumble, they're just going to fall apart, they're just going to come undone. But boy, I'll tell you what, they just, they had a peace that passed understanding. And people, you know, the secular world doesn't understand that. Isn't that right? I'll never forget the first time when, when, when Donna had cancer 25 years ago. She went through all the situation, you know, the surgery. And when we went to see the oncologist, the oncologist, right, uh, and that was after, after surgery, he, he insisted. I mean, he looked at my wife. My wife didn't like him a lot. His bedside manner was the worst, you know. Uh, and he insisted. He looked at her and insisted, you, woman, you need counseling now. You need to go to a therapist. You, and my wife, as pleasant as she, and you know she's, she's, she's pleasant, you know. You can't get her worked up if you tried. You know, I tried this morning. I told her, I'm going to Florida. I had it. I can't stand this weather no more. I'm gone. Call Bob Fenton. Call preacher. I don't care who you call. I'm gone. And she just looked at me like, where are you going? You can't get her worked up. 
But she looked at that doctor and she said to him with the sweetest response, I have the best counsel in the world. And I thought, I was sitting right next to her, I thought she was going to say. <laughs> she said, I'm saved, doc. She said, I have Jesus. And, and he could not, he just couldn't, right? He couldn't get it because he thought she was 36 years old at that time, breast cancer, all that. You know, certainly she's going to be all worked up thinking, oh, no, is she just had a peace that passed understanding. Why? Because when she got saved, the Holy Spirit of God took up residence inside her. Amen. Right? Here, here's, another, here's another implication. Uh, we, we, we experience a joy in the midst of grief. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit of Almighty God lives inside. God is with us. And so we can have a joy. We can experience a joy even in the midst of grief. And I guess we might say this, we experience a love through our brokenness, <laughs> you know? I tell you, sometimes God has got to break us before he can make us. And we begin to experience, you know, the great love of Almighty God. All because God is not just with us or for us, but our God is in us. Isn't that amazing truth? And so that transports us into the very nature of God's love. And I, I, wrote this, I wrote this comment down. Flash it if you would, fellows. We can discover a joy when we realize how deep and how true God's love for us is. Huh? You got you to experience that. And, and it's not on the surface because God's love is deep and genuine, you know. And, and I'll tell you what, if you can experience that, it changes everything. Amen? And that, my friends, that's the Christmas story. And I think we need to remember this. God is with us in so many ways. He's walking beside you, he's watching over you, and he's working within your heart. And that's just to bring us to that place of, of completeness, right? Where we can experience the blessings of being his child. So set aside some extra time this Christmas season just to dwell on those great truths. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity we get to come to church on a Wednesday night and fellowship one with another and open up the scriptures and examine truth and, and then pray one for another and for others. It's, it's just a blessing. Thank you. Thank you for meeting with us tonight. And I pray as we dismiss from this place, you'll give us traveling mercies, get us to our destination safely. And then, uh, Lord, for the remainder of the week, may we just be encouraged and strengthened. May we shine the light bright. And may we just look for opportunities to be Jesus to someone as we go along our path. And then bring us back over the weekend. Lord, give us just a great day on Sunday. May you just bless us. May we have a great crowd, first-time attenders, guests. And may we see people saved during this Christmas season. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. And the church said, amen. amen. God bless you, church. Again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.